Good afternoon and welcome, welcome, welcome to the final chapter of Five Go to Smuggler's Top. Who knows what will happen? Timmy's in the mud sinking and George wants to jump in after him, but her father's holding her back. Is Timmy going to be okay? Well, the fact that the chapter, chapter 22, is, caught, is called Things Come Right at Last means we can hope. OK. But what could anyone do? In despair, they all gazed at poor Timmy, who was struggling with all his might in the sinking mud. He's going down, wept Anne. Suddenly there came a sound of rumbling wheels along the road to the hill. It was a lorry carrying a load of goods, coke, coal, planks, logs, sacks of various things. George yelled to it, stop, stop, help us, our dog's in the marsh. The lorry came to a stop. George's father ran his eye over the things it carried. In a trice, he and Julian were dragging out some planks from the load. They threw these into the marsh and using them as stepping stones, the two reached poor sinking Timmy. The lorry driver jumped down to help into the marsh crosswise on the other planks, went some more wood to make a safe path. The first lot were already sinking in the mud. Uncle Quentin's got Timmy, he's pulling him up, he's got him, squealed Anne. George had sat down suddenly at the edge of the road, looking white. She saw that Timmy would now be rescued and she felt sick with shock and relief. It was a difficult business getting Timmy right out, for the mud was strong and sucked him down as hard as it could. But... At last he was out and he staggered across the sinking planks trying to wag a very muddy tail. Muddy as he was, George flung her arms around him. Oh, Timmy, what a fright you gave us all. Oh, how you smell. Oh, but I don't care a bit. I thought you were gone. Poor, poor Timmy. The lorry driver looked ruefully at his planks in the marsh. They were now out of sight beneath the mud. Uncle Quentin, feeling rather foolish in pyjamas and rugs, spoke to him. I've no money on me now, but if you call at Smuggler's Top sometime, I'll pay you well for your lost planks and your help. Well... I'm delivering some coal to the house next to Smuggler's Top, said the man, eyeing Uncle Quentin's curious attire. Maybe you'd all like a lift. There's plenty of room at the back there. It was getting dark now as well as being foggy, and everyone was tired. Thankfully, they climbed up into the lorry and it roared up the hill into Castaway. Soon they were at Smuggler's Top and they all clambered down, suddenly feeling rather stiff. I'll be calling tomorrow, said the driver. Can't stop now. Good evening to you all. The little company rang the bell. 
Sarah came hurrying to the door. She almost fell over in surprise as she saw everyone standing there in the light of the hall lamp. Land's sakes, she said, you're all back. My Mr and Mrs Lenoir will be glad. They've got the police hunting everywhere for you. They've gone down the secret passages and they've been to Mr Barling's and Timmy bounced into the hall, the mud now drying on him so that he looked most peculiar. Sarah gave a scream. Ah, what's that? Gracious, it can't be a dog. Come here, Tim, said George, suddenly remembering that Mr Lenoir detested dogs. Sarah, do you think you'd have poor Timmy in the kitchen with you? I really can't turn him out into the streets. You've no idea how brave he's been. Come along, come along, said her father, impatient with all this talk. Lenoir can put up with Timmy for a few minutes, surely. Oh, I'll have him with pleasure, said Sarah. I'll give him a bath. That's what he wants. Mr and Mrs Lenoir are in the sitting room. Oh, shall I get you some clothes? The little party went in and made their way to the sitting room, while Timmy went docilely to the kitchen with the excited Sarah. Mr Lenoir heard the talking and flung open the sitting room door. Mrs Lenoir fell on Sooty, tears pouring down her cheeks. Mary Bell poured at him in delight just as if she was a dog. Mr Lenoir rubbed his hands, clapped everyone on the back and said, Well, well, fine to see you're all safe and sound. Oh, well, well, what a tale you've got to tell, I'm sure. It's a strange tale, Lenoir, said George's father. Very strange, but I'll have to see to my feet before I tell it. I've walked miles in my bare feet and they're very painful now. So, with bits of tails pouring out from everyone, the household bustled round and got hot water for bathing Uncle Quentin's feet, a dressing gown for him, food for everyone and hot drinks. It was really a most exciting time. And now that the thrills were over, the children felt rather important to be able to relate so much. Then the police came in, of course, and the inspector at once asked a lot of questions. Everyone wanted to answer them, but the inspector said that only George's father, Sooty and George were to tell the tale. They knew most about everything. Mr Lenoir was perhaps the most surprised person there when he heard how Mr Barling had actually offered to buy the plans for draining the marsh and how he had frankly admitted to being a smuggler, he sat back in his chair unable to say a word. Oh, he's mad, of course, said the inspector of police. Doesn't seem to live in this world at all. That's just what I said to him, said Sooty. I told him he ought to have lived a hundred years ago. Well, we've managed, we've tried to catch him in the smuggling business many and many a time, said the inspector. But he was too artful. Fancy him planting block here as a spy, sir. That was a clever bit of work. And block using your tower as a signalling place. Bit of nerve. 
And Block isn't deaf after all. That was clever too. Sending him about pretending he was stone deaf so that he could catch many a bit of knowledge not meant for his ears. Do you think we ought to do something about Block and Mr Barling and the other man, said Julian suddenly. For all we know, they're still wandering about in that maze of tunnels and two of them are bitten by Timmy that we know of. Ah, oh, yes, that dog saved your lives, I should think, said the inspector. Bit of luck, that. Sorry you don't like dogs, Mr Lenoir, but I'm sure you'll admit it was a lucky thing for you all that he was wandering about. Yes, yes, it was, said Mr Lenoir. Of course. Block never wanted dogs here either. He was afraid they might bark at his curious comings and goings, I suppose. By the way, where is this marvellous dog? I don't mind seeing him for a moment, though I do detest dogs and always shall. I'll get him, said George. I only hope Sarah's done what she said and bathed him. He was awfully muddy. She came, went out and came back with Timmy. Oh, but what a different Timmy. Sarah had given him a good hot bath and had dried him well. He smelt sweet and fresh. His coat was springy and clean and he'd had a good meal. He was feeling very pleased with himself and everything. Timmy, meet a friend, said George to him solemnly. Timmy looked at Mr Lenoir out of his big brown eyes. He trotted straight up to him and held up his right paw politely to shake hands as George had taught him. Mr Lenoir was rather taken aback. He was not used to good manners in dogs. But he couldn't help putting out his hand to Timmy and the two shook hands in a most friendly manner. Timmy didn't attempt to lick Mr Lenoir or jump up at him. He took away his paw, gave a little woof as if to say, how do you do? And then went back to George. He lay down quietly beside her. Well, he doesn't seem like a dog, said Mr Lenoir in surprise. Oh, he is, said George at once very earnestly. He's a real proper dog, Mr Lenoir, only much, much cleverer than most dogs are. Could I keep him, please, while we stay here and get someone in the town to look after him? Well, seeing he is such a very fine fellow and seems so sensible, I'll let you have him here, said Mr Lenoir, making a great effort to be generous. Only please keep him out of my way. I'm sure a sensible boy like you will see to that. Everyone grinned when Mr Lenoir called George a boy. He never seemed to realise she was a girl. She grinned too. She wasn't going to tell him she wasn't a boy. You'll never see him, she said joyfully. I'll keep him right out of your way. Thank you very much. It's awfully good of you. The inspector liked Timmy too. He looked at him and nodded across to George. Mm, when you want to get rid of him, sell him to me, she, he said. We could do with a dog like that in our police force. Soon round up the smugglers for us. George didn't even bother to reply, as if she would ever sell Timmy or let him go into the police force. 
All the same, the inspector had to call on Timmy for help before long. When the next day came and no one had found Mr Barling and his companions in the maze of tunnels and they hadn't turned up anywhere, the inspector asked George if she would let him let Timmy go down into the tunnels and hunt them out. Can't leave them there, lost and starving, he said. Bad as they are, we'll have to rescue them. And Timmy is the only one who can find them. That was true, of course. So, Timmy once more went underground into the hill and hunted for his enemies. He found them after a while, lost in the maze of passages, hungry and thirsty, in pain and frightened. He took them like sheep to where the police waited for them and after that, Mr Barling and his friends disappeared from public life for quite a long time. The police must be glad to have got them at last, said Mr Lenoir. They've tried to stop this smuggling for a long time. They even suspected me at one time. Barling was a clever fellow, though I still think he was half mad. When Block found out my ideas about draining the marsh, Barling was afraid that once the mists and the marsh were gone, that would be the end of all his excitement. No more smuggling. No more waiting for his little ships to come creeping up in the fog. No more lines of men slipping across the secret ways of the marsh. No more signalling. No more hiding away of smuggled goods. Did you know that the police had found a cave full of them inside the hill. It was an exciting adventure to talk about now that it was all over. The children felt sorry about one thing, though. They were sorry that they had thought Mr Lenoir so horrid. He was a strange man in many ways, but he could be kind and jolly too. Did you know we're leaving Smuggler's Top, said Sooty. Mother was so terribly upset when I disappeared that father promised her he'd sell the place and leave Castaway if I came back safe and sound. Mother's thrilled. So am I, said Mary Bell. I don't like Smuggler's Top. It's so weird and secret and lonely. Well, if it'll make you all happy to leave it, I'm glad, said Julian. But I like it. I think it's a lovely place, set on a hilltop like this with mists at its foot and secret ways all about it. I'll be sorry never to come here again if you leave. So will I, said Dick, and Anne and George nodded. It's an adventurous place, said George, patting Timmy. Isn't it, Tim? Do you like it, Timmy? Have you enjoyed your adventure here? Woof! said Timmy and thumped his tail on the floor. Of course he had enjoyed it. He always enjoyed himself so long as George was anywhere about. Well, now perhaps we'll have a nice peaceful time, said Mary Bell. I don't want any more adventures. Ah, but we do, said the others. So, no doubt, they will get them. Adventures always come to the adventurous there's no doubt about that <laughs>
Oh my goodness me. Well, at last everything turned out well. And I, oh, I'm so glad they got Timmy out of the marsh. Um, I was worried there for a little while. Anyway, um, as I say, we have got the next chapter, uh, the next book in the Famous Five, which is Five Girls in a Caravan. Um, I've got the next Secret Seven book. Uh, what else have I got? Let me just have a quick look. Um, I've got... Uh, do, 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 do. I'm trying to see now. Um, just having a look to see you all see which ones we have got to see if there's anything there that you fancy uh da, da, da. can't see i've got um one called the wizard in the shed i've got one called a birthday boy the train to impossible places um adventures of the car Adventures of the Cursed Castle. Um, that sounds good, doesn't it? Quite like the sound of that one. Uh, duh, 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 what else have we got? Um, yeah, we've got lots of different ones. Or we've got the next Famous Five or the next Secret Seven. <sighs> so please tell me which one you want. But um, if you've got another one in mind... I can see if I've got it. Um, if I haven't got it, I can see whether I can get it. Um, but it can't be Harry Potter. Uh, unfortunately, I'm still not allowed to read those. Um, and I am limited to what I can and can't read at the moment. Um, I have to make sure that I can, you know, <laughs> I have to make sure that I am allowed to read them. So uh, let me know if you have got a an idea um and we will see what we will see tomorrow anyway you will have a great day make sure that you take care and stay safe and i will see you all again tomorrow same time same place bye for now